Good morning all. It'd be good to uh, keep your Bible open uh, as we look at this passage together. And uh, for the kids, uh, there is a worksheet uh, about the place, uh, if that is helpful. And uh, bonus points, if you can come up to me at the end and and point out which is the building with the dodgy foundations. Uh, The kids who have the sheet know know what I'm talking about, Uh, but uh, that'd be great. Let me pray. Uh, And then let's spend time uh, looking at this parable together. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you uh, that your words are like a foundation of rock. Uh, We pray as we gather now, as we reflect on them, uh, that we might hear your word today and put it into practice. Amen. If a picture tells a thousand words, uh, then I reckon this one uh, is a pretty good picture that captures our parable today. I mean, we've got uh, good foundations, we've got a storm, and the picture of the bloke is very, very small, uh, but he does look quite calm uh, given the situation. Uh, Yeah, we we often take for granted that if if a building looks good, uh, then it's got good foundations, Uh, and we presume the same for people. Uh, If people look happy and healthy and in control, uh, then we presume uh, that everything's good on the inside as well. Uh, Obviously not perfect, but fundamentally solid. Uh, They're at peace with who they are uh, relative to the world around them. Uh, They're confident about their value and purpose and direction in life. Uh, But of course, so often, uh, appearances are deceiving. Uh, And the real test of a good foundation uh, isn't when things are going well. Uh, The real test is when things go wrong. Uh, And on a society level, we build our foundations on all sorts of things. So uh, for some, uh, it's all about family. Uh, Family is everything. Uh, For others, uh, life is about success. Uh, Success in our work, success in our hobbies. Uh, For many, uh, they build their life on their wealth uh, and the opportunities that that creates. Uh, For others, uh, their foundation is more about collecting experiences or guilt-free, consequence-free freedom. Uh, And often our foundations are sort of a combination of of, of different things. Uh, And some foundations are clearly better than others. Uh, And that's really what this parable is all about, isn't it? That build your life on good foundations. Uh, This parable concludes a section in Matthew's Gospel uh, that we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And so Jesus has been teaching the people, you know, what it means to be one of his his followers. Uh, And as he finishes, he leaves them with this parable uh, as a word of encouragement, uh, but also as a word of warning. Uh, So let's have a look at it together. Uh, Verse 24. Uh, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Uh, So the rock in this parable are the words of Jesus uh, and his words reveal uh, the will of the Father. Uh, So just a few moments earlier as he's speaking to the people, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, Included in these words of his 
are the words of the Old Testament prophets. So again, a little bit earlier, he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Uh, But this parable isn't just about hearing words. Uh, It's about hearing words and putting them into practice. Uh, It's the difference between me knowing that my car needs oil to run smoothly. Uh, If you don't know that, that's really valuable information if you've got a car. Uh, But it's infinitely more useful information uh, if I actually put that into practice and put oil in my car. Uh, It's the same with Jesus' words. Hearing God's word, uh, knowing what he has to say is good, but it's only of real value if we put it into practice. Uh, So, so often in life we know the right thing to do, uh, we just don't do it. Uh, Or we try to pick and choose. Uh, So there are some things which we find easy. Uh, You know, we read in the Bible, do not murder, uh, and for most of us we find that one pretty easy. Uh, Do not steal. Uh, We try hard uh, to get on with other people. Uh, We try hard to be generous. We try hard not to uh, to be greedy. Uh, So there are lots of things that we often find easier. Uh, But then there are others, of course, where we don't even really try. Uh, Where we think, you know, I'm I'm happy to do some, but that one, well, that's just too hard. Uh, We know we've been disobedient, but it just looks so good. And we want it, and, and everyone else has it, or everyone else is doing it, and so we just give in to temptation. Uh, We don't even really necessarily fight it. Uh, We just want it and follow our instinct. Uh, Sometimes it's less about what we want and more about how we react to other people Uh, and so how their behaviour impacts us. Uh, So we get frustrated and angry uh, and sometimes out of that uh, we get vindictive. Uh, They've let me down, they've hurt me, so I've got a right uh, to get angry and hurt them back. Uh, or we vent our frustration with, you know, anyone who will listen. Uh, We know that every single one of us uh, is a long, long way from perfect. Uh, But I think sometimes we use that as a a bit of a cop-out. You know, it's too hard, I'm not perfect, so why bother even trying? Uh, At the same time, uh, we do need to remember uh, that when we recognise our sin, uh, when we do repent... Uh, that God is gracious and God does forgive. Uh, That's not a reason to be complacent, uh, but aren't we thankful for God's grace and mercy? And when we listen to the words of Jesus and put them into practice, uh, then they provide a foundation that can endure the hard realities of life. So verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Uh, Notice uh, Jesus uses the same words uh, for the wise builder as he uses for the foolish builder. Uh, The storms are coming and no one is exempt. Uh, Jesus says these words about his father, again uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, But equally, uh, the father also allows adversity and hardship and suffering 
uh, for the unrighteous, but also for the righteous. Uh, Jesus is not offering us a storm-free life. Uh, If that is our expectation of becoming a Christian, uh, then we've got it profoundly wrong and we are going to be disappointed. Uh, What God is offering is a foundation that will endure those storms. Uh, So some of those storms will have to do with the circumstances that are thrust upon us. Uh, Things like sickness and injury or struggling with mental health uh, or losing your job because it becomes redundant and they're downsizing. Uh, All of those things are circumstances that come upon us. Uh, Some of those storms will be self-inflicted. They will be the consequence of our own choices, uh, what we do or what we fail to do, uh, the way we treat other people, the way we treat our wife or our husband or our children or our work ethic or what we eat or what we drink or where we spend our time uh, or how we spend our time or how we spend our money. All of these things uh, can end up causing us all sorts of grief uh, when we choose to go our own way. Uh, Some of those storms will come in the form of an identity crisis. You know, who am I? Where am I going? What's my purpose and value? Uh, What have I contributed to humanity? Uh, Do people actually love me? Am I lovable? Uh, For many, uh, those are the types of questions uh, behind the midlife crisis. We get sort of halfway through life and sort of start to ask ourselves the question, is this it? Have I I gone as, as far as I hoped I would go, uh, because life looks very different to what I thought it would be when I was 18 and idealistic. Uh, These are the types of questions that perhaps we grapple with when our children leave home. And we've got to adjust to a a new reality of of who am I and where do I fit. These are the types of questions we ask ourselves at the end of our working life, uh, as we ask ourselves, well, what next? Uh, And some of these storms... Uh, are a result of us being Christians. So Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in the kingdom of heaven. You know, the message of the Bible has always been offensive. Uh, And I think it's particularly offensive in our current culture because the message of the Bible says that there's something wrong with us. Uh, We are all sinners and we all need to be saved and there is only one way to be saved and that one way is Jesus. Uh, And in their eyes, in the eyes of our culture, uh, that is a very exclusive, judgmental sort of claim. And it goes against sort of the mantra of our age that says, be true to yourself and you are perfect just the way you are. Uh, But of course, it doesn't really matter whether we think it's exclusive or judgmental. Uh, What really matters is, is it true? Uh, Are Jesus' words true? Are we really sinners who need to be saved? The words of Jesus put into practice are the foundations we need to endure the storms of life. So what are these words uh, that provide the foundation of rock? And how are they different to sand, uh, which represents the prevailing wisdom of the world, or our own prevailing wisdom? 
as we think we've got it all together. A lot of what Jesus had to say in the Sermon on the Mount have to do with attitudes and behaviour, uh, but they're grounded uh, in our relationship with God and what it means to share in the kingdom of God. So as you read those couple of chapters, you'll keep seeing this phrase, kingdom of God. So the first words we must hear are about turning back to God. Uh, So earlier in Matthew, Jesus says, here's a snapshot of his message, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And when we repent, uh, we commit ourselves to turning away from our previous attitudes and behaviours and we commit ourselves to loving God and submitting to his will for our life. And we accept Jesus as our substitute. Uh, He suffers the consequences of our sin that we deserve. Uh, The debt is paid, justice is satisfied, uh, so that we can be right before God, so that we can be righteous, Uh, not because of the good things we have done, but because of God's grace to us. And when we do that, when we turn back to God, when we repent... Uh, then we are building our house on the rock. Uh, In contrast, the person who builds their house on the sand either rejects God altogether uh, or thinks that God is sort of like the great helicopter parent in the sky. He sort of hovers around behind us, sort of making sure that we get that happy, healthy, fulfilling life that we deserve. Uh, And then we potentially become angry and disillusioned uh, when the storm comes. And God doesn't conform to that expectation. And as people who are right before God, our first desire must be to live a righteous life uh, in relationship with God, but also in relationship to one another. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. So we don't just do the right thing because it works better. Uh, We do the right thing because we love God, uh, we want to see God honoured and we want to worship him uh, with our life. Uh, But God did create us and things do work better when we do things God's way. Uh, And one of the big themes in the Sermon on the Mount is how we relate to other people. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Uh, Jesus then goes on to talk about how uh, not only should we not murder, uh, which is good, uh, but even more challenging, we should not even become angry with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, That's a pretty tough standard, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people in in a church community uh, and it's pretty easy uh, to be let down and disappointed and to become angry and frustrated. Uh, We won't always agree on the best direction to take things or how we prioritise our financial resources. Uh, And we will sin. Uh, Inevitably, uh, we will sin against each other and we will disappoint one another and we will genuinely hurt one another. Sometimes unintentionally, uh, but sometimes intentionally uh, because that's what sinful people do. When that happens, we do need to call sin out, uh, graciously, compassionately. Uh, When there are issues 
when we disagree, it's okay to talk about things. It's good to talk about things. Uh, but we need to do it from a position of unity and a position of desiring godliness rather than simply uh, me getting what I want. Uh, we want to honour and protect and nurture uh, the unity we have in Christ. Uh, and that means being gracious with one another in the same way uh, that God is gracious to us. Uh, and when we live out the words of Jesus, then part of the foundation uh, that makes up that immovable object uh, is our fellowship together. Uh, and isn't that a wonderful thing? And we experience that in our life together. That when storms come, uh, we don't just stand alone, uh, we stand with God, but we also stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Of course, the opposite is equally true, uh, that if we bicker amongst ourselves, if we take offence at every failure and disappointment, uh, then when the storms come, uh, we won't stand together. Uh, we won't, we'll stand against one another and inevitably those foundations will fail. Uh, and so often, I think for many of us, we know people who are no longer trusting Jesus because they've been disappointed by Christians. Uh, and so we need to work hard on our unity together. Uh, and Jesus then goes on to teach his followers what it means to go beyond justice and to show grace and tolerance, not just within our church community, but how do we be peacemakers in our world? And again, he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so when we choose to give up our rights for the sake of peace, and when we seek to honour God by showing mercy, uh, then we build a house on a rock. Uh, and God's way works. Uh, as we seek to be peacemakers, we get on better with people. Uh, we in suffer less conflict. Uh, and we free ourselves from the bitterness of slavery, oh, sorry, the slavery of bitterness. <coughs> they are wonderful things. And absolutely, some people might exploit that sometimes. And sometimes we might miss out. Uh, but in the scheme of things, in the scheme of the kingdom of God, you know, it's kind of like missing out on that last Tim Tam on the plate. You know, it's a little disappointing. Uh, but, you know, we've got a whole feast coming. Uh, and so we need to, to see ourselves and our relationships in the, con in the bigger picture context. On the other hand, uh, I think social media gives us a, a pretty good insight into what it means to build your house on the sand when it comes to relationships and conflict. Uh, it's no longer an eye for an eye. Uh, that principle was about justice and restraint. You know, you couldn't murder someone if they, you know, stole your cow. Uh, there were limits to justice. Uh, but the rules have changed, or at least so it would appear. Uh, when the mob turns on social media, it's not about justice or proportional response. Uh, it's about carpet bombing that person's entire life. Uh, plenty of outrage, uh, plenty of entitlement and expectation of others, uh, but often very little expectation of ourselves. Uh, people talk a lot about not shaming and not bullying, uh, but all of that seems to sort of go out the window very quickly 
as soon as there's something that's deemed offensive. Uh, the problem, of course, isn't social media. Uh, the, the problem is people. Uh, but it does give us a bit of an insight into the heart of people and sometimes into our own heart uh, of how we live in the world. Uh, that's what the sand looks like. Uh, it's not just one side or the other side. Uh, and sometimes it includes us, doesn't it? Uh, I think we've got to be very conscious uh, if we're involved in social media. I'm not a big social media person. But I think if we are going to speak in the public space, uh, then we do have to ask ourselves, how is God going to be honoured with my words? Uh, as I represent Christ here in this moment, uh, is that what people see as they read what I have to say? You know, life uh, can be pretty stormy. You know, sometimes those storms are clear and obvious. Uh, sometimes those storms are deep and internal. Uh, but what God offers is a foundation of rock. Uh, it's a foundation that includes uh, our forgiveness of sins uh, and confidence that we know that we are right with God because of God's grace to us. Uh, it's a foundation that's often counterintuitive because uh, the temptation is to think that either we know best or the world knows best. Uh, but as we listen to God's word, uh, as we put it into practice, uh, we honour the God who created us and who saves us and who calls us into his family. Uh, but we also enjoy the benefits. Uh, God's way does work. Uh, God's way helps us to avoid storms altogether, at least sometimes. Uh, but God's way also provides the foundation to endure the rest. Uh, so let's be people who stand with confidence. Uh, I can't imagine what emotions that bloke's going through in that particular moment. But we should stand with confidence and peace, knowing that God's foundations will hold. Uh, and they will hold us to the end. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you uh, that in your word uh, you save us, uh, in your word you show us how to live and you bring us back to yourself. Uh, Lord, I pray as we've reflected on your word now uh, that you might speak to each of us through your spirit. Uh, help us to be confident of the foundations that you have given us and help us to live with confidence in the world. Amen.